about fan fiction briefly. And, uh, and this is part of why I've asked you to return to my home yet again. But, and I know that we've spoken of this before many, many times. And thank you so much for your patience. But yeah, this time let's talk about writing yet again. <laughs> and specifically about how to play in the sandboxes of other people those licensed properties. Now I've done so on, on a fan basis, <laughs> but I've never done so in a stepping into the role of creating on top of pre-existing yeah, um, I mean, I mean, in some ways it's, it's, you know, similar to doing it on a fan basis in that, you know, it helps a lot to already like what you're writing about and know it pretty well. Like one of the reasons that I ended up doing as much work as I have for uh, Privateer Press is because I already knew the setting well. Um, and so like when they brought me on initially, it wasn't because of that, it was because of my other work, but um, I kept getting work with them because I would turn in drafts that needed less revision because they didn't need to change things for the setting. Like, people would, would write things and it would be inappropriate for the setting for some reason. And I didn't do that as often because I knew it already pretty well. <laughs> Which helped. <laughs> now, I, I've gone through recently and have revisited uh, licensed fiction for other properties. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I find enjoyment in that. Yeah. A great deal of enjoyment revisiting those scenes that we're so familiar with already in our right. imagination. Um, but uh, my friend, who also writes fanfic with me, I love her, Sydney, she asks, can you think of anyone who has done a good job expanding on an existing universe of licensed property as well? I mean, I'm sure there are, are many. I'm yeah. being put on the spot I'm gonna struggle to come up with a name I, I imagine but um, you know it's it's always a, a weird tightrope to walk when something especially and I've never done it on something that was really really popular but like if you got someone who was working on like Star Wars or something like that like there's always a tightrope when someone does something like that because on the one hand you know you you do want to do something that's not just retreading, because if you just retread what's already been done, then everybody's going to complain because you did that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you change it too much, everyone's going to complain mm -hmm. that you didn't do it enough like what it was already done. And so, yeah. you know, that's that's a, a tightrope that, again, I'm fortunate, I suppose, and that I've never had to negotiate as much because, you know, as much as uh, War Machine and the Iron Kingdoms and that kind of thing have loyal followings they're not they're not on the level of something like star wars or something like you know the the mcu now or the really harry potter those really big properties where yeah. anything you do is going to get scrutinized by millions of people yes <laughs> or uh or the level of rabidity of right. the fan base right yes um but yeah, in one of your recent blog posts, you speak of the influence of visual media and the forces held within. Let's speak to that for a moment. I mean, I think for me, in no small part, it's just a matter of 
and it's partly it's just that that's what I consume a lot of. You know, I grew up reading comic books. I, um, you know, I watch movies a lot, and movies speak to me a lot um, because of their ability to combine, and, and comic books too, their ability to combine multiple different types of storytelling, right? You're not you're not just telling a story in prose, you're telling a story in prose and pictures, and, and, and it's not just pictures, like the color matters, the, the layout matters, the lettering matters, you know, that kind of thing, and movies are similar. They, you know, the, the music, the shot composition, um, you know, it, it all contributes to the feel of the thing. And and I, I read that and I watch that or whatever. And then I, I look at my own work and I say, okay, I can't do those things, right? I'm just a writer. All I do is put words on the page. But how can I try to replicate that feeling that I got? You know, how can I... Uh, how can the way I write change to accommodate trying to get across that same sensation even though I did have different tools to work with um, and for me I think that's where a lot of that impulse comes from is that you know I, I can look at these things and I can say like if I'm looking at writing I'm just going to see what the writer did right? but if I look at these other things I can go at it a different way I can come at it from okay here's, a, here's what I want to do how do I get there with this toolkit if that makes any sense. Um, and so I think a lot of it, for me, comes from that. So uh, what, what do you have in the pipeline now? I mean, now that uh, we, we both briefly discussed uh, the effects of pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> I know my lack of output. Yeah. Oh, uh, mine too. <laughs> oh, the, but you, you've certainly been working on some uh, I've been very busy. Um, yeah. the, the pandemic has kept me very busy uh, on freelance work. I've done an enormous amount of freelance work, some of which is just um, normal like marketing copy and that kind of stuff that pays the bills but isn't ex exciting. Um, some of which is working for Private to Press again. I've been working very extensively on their new... Um, Iron Kingdom's Requiem, which is their Iron Kingdom's role-playing game for 5th edition. Um, and I've got, uh, there's going to be a Kickstarter for a new version of it, or not a new version, but a new expansion for it launching, and I would think any day now. I don't actually know the exact time, but I worked a lot on it, um, which until now I couldn't talk about, like, literally they announced it like a couple days ago, so the NDA is finally off that I can say I did it at all. <laughs> so I've been working on that uh, quite a bit in the last few months. Um, but as far as like just producing fiction, I've produced remarkably little in the last year and a half, um, as I think has been true for a lot of people. Um, for all that we've been cooped up in our houses, it's been very hard to make the brain quiet and just work. <laughs> I, I understand that completely. Um, like the the most that I've been able to do is uh, produce up to my commitments. Yeah, pretty and, much. Yeah. Um, I do have. Um, we're still figuring out what's going to be in it, but I should have uh, another collection coming out next year. Is the hope? Congratulations. Um, 
I mean, the early, but yeah. Yeah, um, you know, that's it'll probably be around Halloween next year, I would imagine. That's usually when mine come out. Um, and so, again, that's that's kind of the current tentative plan, and it's just a matter of like finalizing what's going to go in it and and that kind of thing. Um, and then I was doing kind of before the pandemic started and mid pandemic, I did a, a cyberpunk turned out to be novel length ultimately um, nice. in serialized form for Broken Eye Books. That the third installment of which it's three parts, and the third part should be out early next year. And then I think they're going to put it all in one like book form. Um, and currently, it's on their Patreon. So that's wonderful. Yeah, it was. Fun. It was very different from what I normally do, but also, you know, I was writing it in the middle of very different times. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Oh. Let's see. In some ways, the scarcities of childhood have brought about the future that we want to see. Tell me how excited you are <laughs> for the Warhammer Plus streaming subscription service. <laughs> oh man. So. I'm like <laughs> That's a dumb question. No, no. I mean like I I've gotten really really back into Warhammer in the last mm-hmm. year, which is hilarious because I can't play it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I got really really into it right when I can't play it. Yeah. Um but you know, um when I when I was a kid and 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 you know, as I've talked about before and as as you as you mentioned, like I couldn't I, I loved it. Like I wanted to play it. I, I devoured the books. I would go to the store and like walk, you know, the the miniature aisle. Like the, the only store we had that had any was just one aisle. Like it was not it was not like a whole game store like we have now. No, where where I lived there was a hobby town that had one aisle that was that was gaming products. But I would, you know, I would go and, and ogle the miniatures and, and look at them and, and all this stuff and, you know, just imagine owning them and now I, you know, have enough money, sort of enough money, they're very expensive, but, yeah. um, you know, more more money than I did then and, you know, I've, I've gotten way back into it, but, um, like, I'm, I'm really interested in some stuff about the streaming service um, and actually for me, the thing that's the most exciting about it conceptually is the archive access to like mm-hmm. old white dwarf issues and old uh, printed materials from the old games and stuff and so I'm really waiting to see kind of how robust that proves to actually be yeah. um, because I love the idea of like uh, getting to you know pour over some of that old stuff that either I had when I was younger or like you know didn't have but would have loved to have had um, yeah. like I've got on my shelf a copy of the Oh, the first hardcover, like, Battle Beastery they did for, like, Fantasy Battle 3rd Edition, I think. Um, You know, and I love looking over, like, how much it has changed Mm -hmm. since then and what has stayed and what hasn't and all that kind of stuff, so. That's almost like uh, (laughs) talking about first edition TSR DMV and comparing the compendiums then to now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I I love looking at the history of things like that and seeing, like seeing how things evolved over time and for me it's fascinating to like see the market pressures that exert on things like as they go from essentially right essentially they began as hobby products right like and i don't i don't mean hobbies for other people i mean like the people who made them this was their hobby right it 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 began as these very unprofessional in the sense that they were made by 
you know, they were homebrew things, right? They, they weren't made by a corporation. They were made by a handful of people. Mm-hmm. And over time, they evolved into these very corporate entities, right, with very branded content and very rigorous... Right, yeah, like these 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 sort of very rigorous identities that they didn't initially have. They were very amorphous as they began, and so it's fascinating to watch that evolution happen. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> good. Oh gosh, um, what have what have you been what have you been excited to consume lately? Oh wow, um, I mean. Again, the, it's been so weird these last year and a half. I, I, it's so weird that it's been like a year and a half, and at the same time, it feels like it's been forever. Um, that like my my consumption habits have changed really dramatically in ways that I wouldn't have expected because I watched just tons of movies before. I've actually watched less, weirdly enough, even though I've been trapped in my house all the time. Um, and I'm not sure why that is, uh, honestly, except that. I think it's similar to why it's hard to sit and write fiction sometimes is because it's hard to it's hard to just let myself kind of enjoy that moment and it's much easier to like bounce around from things I think so I've been you know more short stuff or more uh, things that I can consume in bites and that kind of thing but um I mean uh you know I've I've been very um I've been very enthusiastically consuming, uh, you know, uh, tabletop gaming stuff in various forms. Um, a lot of it older, uh, and then not as recent, but I've also, you know, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was until about a month ago, very enthusiastic about the prospect of movies happening again. And now with the Delta variant happening, it's looking awfully iffy and, I don't know, and so like um, I was really looking forward to. There was a handful of horror movies that were supposed to come out last year that got kicked to this year that were supposed to come out in the next couple of months, and now I'm like, ah, like I really want to see Malignant. I really want to see the new Candyman. Um, you know, and and like I've literally been waiting two years for them, and at this point, it's like, ah, who knows. Um, and, uh, you know, similarly reading, like I've been reading, uh, I've, I've been reading stuff that I had had to, in quotes, read for reviews or for, for work for some reason. And it's been harder to read stuff just because I wanted to. Um, although I really enjoyed uh, Stephen Graham Jones's latest, um, I Heard as a Chainsaw, which is fantastic, um, which I read for review and it was great. Um, but I've been reading a lot of, like, old comic books. I have, like, a box of old comic books, and so I've been, like, reading... I actually them. almost brought a handful <laughs> of old creepies. Oh, my God, yeah. Down yes. here just to lay here and be on the table. Yes. Look, yes. If you would like me to do so, I can go get them. That's great. But, no, yeah, like, that kind of stuff, like, old horror comics. Um, so, like, I'm... Uh, one of my friends, Eli, uh, who runs Analog Sunday... Mm-hmm. Which is, for, for listeners who don't know, it's a, a local thing that one of the theaters here do where um, we watch movies on VHS at a theater. Like, they project them up on the screen oh, wow. off a of VHS tape, and they're amazing. <laughs> but uh, um, the guy, he, he runs that, and he and I, uh, back when we could, you know, do things, would go to, you know, thrift stores and things like that to look for tapes in his case, but um, we would also go to comic book shops and dig through old back issue bins, and we were always looking for, like, 
um, just weirdo horror comics. You know, not not like not like superhero stuff, but also not necessarily creepies or anything. You never find those there. Yeah. You know, they're they're too high demand. But no, like um, I got into and recently posted about like um, Marvel's Epic line did a bunch of Hellraiser comics and Hellraiser adjacent oh, yeah. comics. And so, like, I got a, I got a whole bunch of those, and I read through all of those recently that I'd gotten, and that was a great fun. Um, they were I can only imagine. <laughs> they were an extremely mixed bag, wow. um, we'll say. But uh, but no, that you know stuff like that, and I've been doing a lot more of things like that that I can do in tiny bites lately. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. tiny bites has apparently been my speed. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I. Uh... Just just find just after after seeing the true color of some people come through uh, after the happenings of the past year and a half, uh, finding the will to or the energy to even pick up a book yeah. and look inside. Um, it's been a challenge for for me. Um, I I am I'm I'm glad to hear that yeah. you've been getting a much easier. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been you know it's it's been a thing where I've just had to kind of roll with the changes in my habits. Where like before I would have, you know, consumed x number of movies per week on average or whatever and that has dropped off but I've been doing this other thing and it's just been kind of a kind of let it happen because if I push it nothing works well when I try and push it like it's just been you know and I yeah I'm lucky I work from home I already I already worked from home um and so you know in that regard I'm lucky and I can you know I have the the uh privilege um of, you know, just being able to kind of wing it to some extent. Um, whereas other people, you know, have it much worse. And I just kind of try and keep that in mind and, you know, be kind to myself and not worry too much about anything <laughs> till all this, ugh, I don't know, does something, whatever it's going to do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but thinking, I'm, I'm probably going to cut this out. Um, about the, I'm I'm just thinking in the future for uh, your, uh, for the um, small anthology that you had said earlier that you were going to uh, publish uh, on the release date for that. Have, Have you ever gone to Big Rip Brewery up north? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. um, yes, because Tyler hosts like a trivia night there. Okay. Yes, and so I've been there for his okay. trivia night, and that's okay. it. But yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, since I since I went there a couple of years ago for mm-hmm. a uh, a Pink Boots Society brewing thing, mm-hmm. we had a uh, collaboration brewing, and and I I went there and I, and I thought to myself. Shit, they've got a brewery named it. They've got a brewing vessel named after Jason Voorhees. You know, it's like, come on, yeah. Or needs to know about this. Yes, yeah, so, yes. Okay. yeah. Um, yeah. I've only I've only been there because of Tyler's uh, because of Tyler's trivia nights. I since I don't drink, I don't 
go to breweries as a rule, but I mean, I go to them a lot because I go meet people at them a lot, but, yeah. um, but yeah, uh, um, but yeah, he does, uh, or did again when, when, yeah. when, when we could all do things, he yeah. did a, a trivia night every month there, a horror, horror trivia mm-hmm. night thing. And I went to play a few times. Is that about, I've only been up there for either brewing <laughs> or consumption to, to get the, to fill my growlers to bring back home and consume. Um, so and that that's pretty much it. But uh, but I figured you know the the themes the themes mesh. Yes, and and it's you know it's it's not far from the Screenland, which I go to all the time, mm-hmm. or again went to all the time. Yes. Um, at least, you know, at least a couple times a month I would go to the Screenland because... Now, it, was that the one where you had the, uh, the Jello night? Um, that was, it was, it was owned by them, um, mm-hmm. but it was, that one's actually more down in the crossroads. Oh, um, okay. the Screenland is in North, it's on Armor Boulevard. Oh, okay. Um, but same people. Um, but unfortunately the, uh, the location of the crossroads closed when... Yeah. You know, the pandemic shut it down. The other ones stayed open so far. Fingers crossed. They're they're doing all right. They got a grant um, and some stuff to help them, you know, stay open. Um, but ho- hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> yes, I certainly hope so. After this washes through, that something yeah. resembling a past reality emerges. <laughs> right. You know, and I mean, there's been there's been a lot of things that got lost because of it and hopefully there'll be some things that we can salvage like I mean um, you know the Alamo that was up in downtown closed and that's a bummer for people who love movies but also if you heard anything about the labor stuff that went down at the Alamo it's probably good that it's closed like it's yeah and so it's one of those things where like you gotta try and just look at the bright sides of the bad stuff I guess yes The, the comics that spoke to you as a child, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking back to the time when I was a kid, like, um, like D&D, of course, the satanic panic was in full, <laughs> sp- full, full swing, and I, I had no access to source books, it was all... You know, mm-hmm. I, I read Tolkien once, you know, <laughs> something loosely based on that with six sliders and, and ruled notebook paper. Um, and then uh, comics, which was, was strangely, for me, would have been a set of old 60s through mid-70s Mad Magazines and old copies of the fabulous furry freak brothers <laughs> and my favorite one being uh when they go to mexico and trip on peyote uh being an elementary school child and seeing these things um i mean it was it was more fantastic like right. fantastic imagery it's right. great um so what specific properties for you, or were there any? You mentioned Mad Magazine, so, like, I actually, um, I didn't read as much, like, Mad and Cracked broadly, but they had the Monster Party issues, and of course, you know, I naturally got those, right? And so, um, my parents, we would go to, um, uh, they call it a dirt mall, essentially just a, you know, an, an, you know, a, a thrift mall, essentially a great big giant thrift store with a bunch of booths. And a couple of them would have old magazines and things, and I would dig through them looking for 
correct in Mad Monster Party magazines that would have, you know, um, great actually art, like great monster art, um, you know, cartoony of course, but but really great artists so working. Um, and, you know, old photos from, like, Roger Corman movies and things that I had never seen, didn't know what they were, but they were photos of monsters, right? So I was excited. Um, and and I, I consumed a lot of those um, as a kid. Uh, when I got into comics, which was, oh, I don't know, probably, like, fifth or sixth grade-ish, um, I got into, you know, uh, superhero comics. Um, and uh, in no small part, I actually got into them through... Like, I wanted to get into comics, but I didn't, I didn't know my way around them. I didn't have real access to them. You know, there wasn't, again, there was a comic book shop in Wichita, but Wichita was a long drive from where I lived. Um, so I would get to go there once or twice a year at most. And, and when I did, it was this bewildering wonderland, but bewildering, certainly. Um, and so a lot of my early comic exposure actually came through trading cards because I could afford those. Um, and I had access to those, and so I would buy the, uh, like, you know, Marvel trading cards and the X-Men trading cards and that kind of thing, and so I'd read the backs of those and imagine comic books. Like, a lot of... One one thing that comes up um, in, in talking about my influences and how my writing took shape and everything is that a lot of my early influences came from not having access to things, right? It, it came from having access to an aspect of a thing and then imagining the thing, right? Um, you know, yeah. the, the one, the one thing I come back to over and over again, um, is the, uh, the Crestwood house monster books. I don't know if you're familiar with these at all. Um, they were, I want to say they were late seventies, early eighties, but they had them in my school library when I was a kid. Um, and they were these orange and purple. It was an orange series and a purple series. Um, these orange board books, put up at Crestwood House, which was a publishing imprint, um, and they had, uh, they were themed around the various movie monsters. They had one for King Kong, and one for Godzilla, and one for, you know, Frankenstein, and one for, like, Dracula, and the Invisible Man, and so on. And they had pictures of, you know, some black and white stills in the movies inside them. Well, that was my, I'd never seen those movies, um, and I wouldn't see them for, you know, years. I wouldn't see them until I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would look at those books and look at those pictures and like I would imagine right mm -hmm. the movie that that must come from yeah. with with no idea with like no way to imagine it right <laughs> there was there was no parameter for this I had this picture and I would try to imagine a context for that picture and I think a huge amount of like how my imagination took form was doing that right it was having this picture with no context for it and trying to make context for it because it was it was amazing like the picture was yeah yes exactly point b how does one point a point b like I, would, I would see this picture i'm like i want more of this but i can't get it so i'll just make it right like yeah <laughs> oh man so i uh, you had mentioned very, very briefly, in one sentence, about seven minutes ago, <laughs> uh, cyberpunky. How is this cyberpunk? That uh, what can we look forward to? Okay, so um, what happened was they. Uh, Scott Gable at Broken Eye uh, came to me and he said, you know, would you be interested in doing some kind of serialized project? And I said, you know, you know he said, 
would you be interested in doing the serious project? Here's kind of what we were thinking as far as timeline and money and all that. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have, like, what do you want me to do? And he said, I, I want you to do something, like, different than what you've done. We want to see what, like, a cyberpunk story of Aaron Gray would look like. And I'm like, okay, um, you know, I'll try. Um, and, you know, uh, because it's me, like, naturally it's not, not it's not, like, pure cyberpunk. There's there's monsters in it. There's, um, like, occult stuff in it. Well, would it not have monsters in it if it would be you? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> Um, if, if there's not monsters in it, I, I have trouble showing up to work. So, um, but no, yeah. Um, but I also tried to keep very much to the, um, the, the punk part of cyberpunk and not make it, you know, I don't, I don't want to denigrate anything that anyone else has done in the field at all. Um, but, um, to an enormous extent, like, like steampunk, like a lot of things, cyberpunk has kind of split or not, it's not even split, it just has multiple channels it travels down. And you can make a cyberpunk thing that is just the visual elements of it, right? It's just the motifs of it, and that's all. I mean, it could be about anything. Like, you could make you could make a cyberpunk thing that was about anything, right? And just use the visual motifs of cyberpunk. But, you know, originally it was punk for a reason. It was punk because it was anti-establishment. It was punk because it was countercultural, it was about um, you know, corporations are bad, maybe we should question capitalism like, you know, um, I mean, that kind of thing, and and I wanted to make sure that I had some of that in there, which I, you know, hopefully do um, and so it's, it's this kind of um, cyberpunk retelling of uh, William Hopotchin's The Nightlands, basically where you've got this, like, one city cut off by these monsters, where it's the sun never rises, um, and so uh, it's it's kind of about these people in this city um, who are reliant on this one corporation who runs everything in the city to try and you know figure out what's a way forward from there. Essentially, like when there's no way forward, how do you find a way forward? I guess. Um, and so I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not. I'm probably not pitching it super well, but that's. You know, that's the that's no, the gist right. of it. I'm, I'm not expecting you to. We, <laughs> we need to have something new to consume without it being all confined. Yeah, you know. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I hesitate to, to undercut it. I don't mean to do that at all as much as I simply say that it was written... It, it took form under less than auspicious circumstances because I began it before all this mess happened and it was written over the course of it and I'm sure that the course of all this mess has had its influence on it, How undoubtedly. It not right? on anything yeah. that's been created during this time frame. <sighs> we live in interesting times. <laughs> uh, but, but not the good kind of interesting. Like. No. Absolutely. For, for stopping in. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, being handed the mantle of, of creating for, for others within a specific and specified outline. Uh, you had said something about 
I, I've heard this mentioned before, and it's quite possibly to me that you've said this, but you had been given a very extremely thorough outline. And, uh, and, and creating within those confines uh, of pretty much having that set out for you, um, did you find yourself having more room to breathe within those confines, specifically because you had those boundaries, or no? I mean, I think, so at this point, like when, I think when the last time we talked, I had mostly worked under those kind of conditions, and more recently, um, the work I've done has been a lot more open. Like, I've, I've had a lot less restrictions, and now I've kind of had both, have kind of had it both ways. And I'm really glad that I did it the other way first, 100%, because I think it did, like, as much as I did know the setting well, it was weird to make changes to it, right? It was weird, it was a weird experience to take someone else's work and to not, like, retcon it, but to but to add to it in a way that changed something, right? That was a weird feeling to do for the first time. And, you know, I mean, I, I did it um, as early as, um, you know, the, some of the earliest fiction I was doing for Prep to Press, but a lot of times it was collaboratively, right? It was, here's kind of where we want this to go. How would you like to get it there? Um, and so... Uh, that helped me kind of take those baby steps of like, okay, it's okay that I'm making these changes. It's okay that I am making these kind of adjustments. And that freed me up to, you know, to, to put my mark on it in other places instead of trying to like make it my story, if that makes any sense. Um, and more recently I've gotten to have a little bit more, um, free hand for various reasons. Um, both because, you know, I'm, I'm, I've done a lot of work for them at this point. They're giving me a little more, trust as far as what they want, but also because of what we're doing is different. Um, the more recent stuff is set after kind of a big cataclysmic event in the setting, which means that a lot in the setting has changed. So a lot of stuff is not set in stone the way it was before. There, it has changed in ways that are not... Right. It's changed in ways that have not yet been established. It just that changes have happened. And so that gives us more freedom to be like, okay, here's what the change was, kind of a thing. Um, and I, I have felt a lot more comfortable doing that than I think I would have had I been put in that situation early on and been like, oh my God, what what am I, what's okay to change, what isn't, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and so I, I, I think it was, and I wouldn't mind, I don't think, working under the really strict guide uh, outline again, but I'm really glad that it happened in the order it happened in, if it was going to happen in multiple parts like that. I, I feel like we've all been feeling that way, whether we are or not mm -hmm. winging it. I feel like everything has felt so uncertain that it's been so impossible to feel like you were doing anything but flying by the seat of your pants all the time. Okay. Now, what would it take to make you rethink that approach to employment? Now, if if it were something that were offered to you, what, what would be that that dream project to make you drop that and, and just dedicate the rest of the foreseeable future to? Like, to one project? To one specific project. What one project would make you drop everything? Uh, 
and dedicate your life to that for the moment. Man, that's hard right now. Like, years ago, I would have said, um, you know, if, if I got an offer to work for, like, I'll work on Hellboy or something like that, like, working on a project like that, I would absolutely do. Um, and honestly, the other big one in the past was working for, like, a game company like Predator Press because I was a big fan of their stuff. And I'm doing that now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine what, I mean, I'm sure there's something. Like, I'm sure it's out there. Um, and, and it would depend, I mean, lots, it depends on a lot, right? It depends on the money, like not to be too mercenary about it, but you know, it, it, I would drop, I freelancing's great. It is. I freelancing's much better than anything else I ever had to do for a living, but you know, I would drop it in a heartbeat if I made enough money writing fiction to not do it. Right. Like, you know, it's, 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 um, it's still work. It's still, it's still a job. Um, you know, I would, there's definitely projects I would love to work on. I would love to work on a movie someday, you know, any, any movie that I, that I thought was cool that had a monster in it, right? Like, um, uh, um, you know, I, I would love to work on, um, more gaming properties, um, on a broader spectrum of gaming properties. I have a lot of interest in, and I've, I've done some work that has so far been all behind the scenes, on a couple of things, but um, yeah, I'd love to do more work in that field um, for whoever. Uh, you know, there's a, a number of different properties that I'm really interested in. I like Descent a lot. I like um, Warhammer stuff a lot. I like uh, a lot of these different. Uh, I've actually really been enjoying Massive Darkness, which is this uh, board game, dungeon crawl game that is really fun. Um, you know, so I like a lot of those, and then it would be fun to work in those kind of uh, fields more, I think. Um, but yeah, as far as like what would make me just drop everything, I think it would just be money. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the same for us all? <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, pay, pay, pay me enough, and I will write about anything. <laughs> <laughs> and... I've been lucky that I've worked with pretty good editors and things. Like they've been good about giving me, giving me structure when I needed it, and giving me freedom when I needed it, and not, you know, I, I they've been good to work with. They have not been, because it's it's easy. It is work for hire. You know, fundamentally, it's work for hire, right? I don't own any of it when I'm done. Yeah. Um, and so it would be easy for it to be a lot like my other freelance work, where it's just like here's a, you know. Here's a one sentence remit, do your job now, right? Like, you know, and I've been lucky that I have not had that very often be the case. Um, I've had really good supportive editors, which helps enormously. <laughs> and, and that's true, that's true with so many, um, you know, so many types of writing for hire, pretty much all of them, really. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're, when you're writing fiction, right, like the, the, the flow of work when you're writing fiction is you write the fiction, then you try and sell it. You've already made the product. Yeah. You're just trying to sell the product. Mm -hmm. But when you're writing for hire, you're always, you are the product. You're always trying to produce some kind of thing to spec, right? Yeah. You know, to, to order. Like, what do you want? Right. You and, need to tell me. Right. And most of the time you don't get it, right? Most yeah. of the time you get told way and far inadequate or even misleading information. Mm -hmm. And then you have to try and do the work. And so, yeah, like I'm working with a new client right now just doing web content work and it's it's that dance early on of like 
they don't fully trust me and I don't know what they want yet. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of like, they're micromanaging me, but also not telling me the things I need to know all the time. And it's just kind of, it's, and, and it's, this happens with all new clients, like within a year or so I'll have them figured out or I'll quit that client one of the two. (laughs) But... Okay, so I've probably I've probably picked your brain about this one before. Um, you get to create the perfect movie adaptation of video game story, and I probably have the adaptation of a video game story. Okay, okay. Which one? Clock Tower. Clock Tower. Clock Tower. Oh man, that was mid nineties. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure. It sounds right. I've actually never played it, hilariously. I've never played Clock Tower. I've looked, again, I've looked at it a lot, right? Like, I've, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've imagined it a lot. But no, like, it's it's such a Jallo game, right? Like, it seems like a movie already. Get the right director behind that. It could be so beautiful. another one, which I, I'm pretty sure that I that I also may have asked you. But let's see if your answer has changed. It probably has, and also I won't remember. So. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> your younger sister, damn it, gets you one of those DNA kits. You return that vial of spit, and suddenly the men in black swarm your home, and you learn that you've had a secret parent with lineage far, far away, perhaps from another galaxy. What does this new knowledge now explain to you about yourself? <laughs> oh man, um, I don't think you've asked me that one before. That was that was a lot. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, uh, the the most obvious the the thing that jumps out to me most is just like why I am not at all like anyone else in my family. <laughs> I don't, and I I physically resemble them, but man, if everything else is <laughs> not even remotely, not even remotely. Uh, the less said about it, the better. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, now I'll let my own meeting making machine travel from yes. point A to B here. Um, let's see. Uh, what song would you like? Now I'm not going to ask her to ask that question. Now, this is a bad, this is a bad time in in reality to ask that question. Um, what are you really bad at? Oh my God, everything but writing. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, um, I mean. Let's see here. What am I really bad at? Like, We're gonna limit it to one function. One function. One function. I mean, I'm really bad at pretty much anything that requires me to, you know, be handy in any way, like like carpentry or anything like that. Um, oh no! Here's one. Here's one that's actually a directly hobby related. I am really bad at painting miniatures. Like I've tried it. I'm terrible at it. I hate oh. it also. Like, I hate doing it. I'm so sorry. Um, and, like, I know people who love it, and I, I, I love that they love it, and I love seeing it, and I love seeing oh. their work, and I have enormous respect for it, but I am terrible at it and hate doing it. Like, I like assembling them. 
Um, I like like gluing the little models together, but like a painting, no, that can go to hell. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I 100% agree. Um, I, I was thinking as, as, you, as soon as you started that uh, description of the function that you were not very good at performing, which I think is a self-imposed one. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to go on record saying that that is a self-imposed <laughs> limitation. Um, Oren. It, it's called a wash. <laughs> oh, then, then your paint do a wash and it'll yeah. be okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just what I'm told, and I'm sure it's true. And again, for me, like, I'm, it's one of those things where I'm sure I would get adequate at it, right? Like, I don't think I'd ever be good. If nothing else, my hands aren't very steady, right? So Same. I'd never be very good. Um, but I'd get adequate, right? Because, you know, there's washes and then paints are great now compared to like when I was, when I was a kid, when I was young and was trying to do this, paints, <laughs> paints were garbage on top of everything else. Like, oh yes. Um, yes. you know, and so, but like, I just don't want to, like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so They're I'm, so pretty. They are so pretty. I want other people to do it by all means. Um, yeah. like, you know, it, it, for me, I think it's, uh, it's like a lot of other things in, you know, um, in the the world of of publishing, right? It's, like, it's why I'm not a self-published author for the most part, right? Is that, um, you know, when you're self-published, most of the time, you are your own, you know, you might you might buy cover art or whatever, right? But you're your own uh, publicist, you're your own layout person, you're your own design person, and hopefully you hire an editor, but. Um, you know, uh, but you're, you're at least some of those things. You're, you're your own, right? But I look around at all the people around me who are amazing at those things, and I just want them to do it. Yeah. Right? I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to do my half-assed version of it. Let them do it. I'll pay them, and they can do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I coming from someone that used to get paid to put together and edit uh, educational workbooks and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only work, look at my own stuff for so long, and then it just, yeah. you know, inspires someone. Yeah. yeah, like I'm an, I, I can do adequate. I worked on a, you know, school journalism, right? And so I can do the bare minimum of like layout and design and stuff like that. I, we, I worked on the yearbook staff and on the yeah. newspaper and all that, so I can do it. But like, you give it to someone who's good at, like someone who, that's what they do. Yeah. And they're going to turn out a product that's way cooler than what I did, right? So I'll let them do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, oh, the, oh, we've already we've already discussed this one many times. Ad nauseum. <sighs> Which is the first of the, I was going to duck into the final five. Uh, video game or tabletop? Uh, I mean, still tabletop. Like, yes. When I was a kid, it was video game, but man, these days now. <laughs> Theater of the mind is so much better. <laughs> um, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Dune? Oh, we. I think did we did we add Dune? Was Dune always in here? I don't no. know. No. Okay. No, I added Dune. Okay. Um, I mean, and I guess Star Wars. Like, when I was a kid, I hated Star Trek. As an adult, I've watched it. 
um, a lot more than I've watched Star Wars actually because my wife likes it and it's you know it's 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 a long show right you got a long show there's lots to watch. Yeah, it's, it's got um, a pretty big extension. Right, there's there's much there's much Star Trek, um, but you know Star Wars has lots of monsters, so probably yeah. it. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're going to duck into superpowers. Now, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? And like the older I get, the more like some form of like healing factor or not, you know, being indestructible or something sounds great because, you know, everything hurts the older I get. <laughs> everything hurts and everything works less well than it did before. And yeah, yeah. it's rough. <laughs> I, I'm forced to agree with that. Um, and you, you already addressed the why. Um, Marvel or DC? Uh, yeah, it's still Marvel. Like. It was always Marvel for me. I, yeah. There's there's good stuff in DC, and I've read a lot of it. But when I was a kid, I was very into Marvel, and it stuck with me. Okay. The funny thing is, I made up the story the first time I asked you this question. It must have been three years ago now. Um, about the Marvel or DC, and I made up a story in my mind that you had gone to my bathroom and found. <laughs> in the selection of, of books that I had for bathroom reading. And, and I'm like, oh God, no wonder he said Marvel. I have Marvel Comics right there. <laughs> you know, uh, sci-fi or fantasy? Fantasy. Fantasy, 100%, yeah. Okay. Now now I'm running through to be like, yeah, what a, what, is there anything I've added in here? <laughs> And I think I, I think I remember your agonizing career decision and I think it involved leaving your job at the law firm in downtown Kansas City to do freelance. Yeah, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only other kind of agonizing career decision I've had since then was um, at one point I did have the opportunity to work full time at Prevator Press writing and it was a matter again it came down to a matter of money basically like I couldn't it wasn't like I could I could have taken the job if it was here but it was in Seattle and I couldn't afford to move to Seattle yeah for you know for what what they were offering so I don't remember the answer to this one which means you probably don't either (laughs) but you know it hopefully yeah (laughs) how did you make your first dollar I make my first dollar. Um, Not allowance. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know what my first job was, but I don't remember if I made money before that or not. I'm sure I did. You know, I'm sure that I sold something or, or you know, I don't know, tried to have a lemonade stand or something ridiculous when I was a kid. I'm sure. But, like, my first job, I worked at a Brahms. I don't know if you know what Brahms oh, is. It's, it's an cream. ice cream. Yeah, it's an ice yeah. cream store that's also, like, a fast food burger place. Do you still eat ice cream? Um, <laughs> not usually. Uh, but, so, like, I, I certainly didn't for a while after that, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Like, the smell of it made me sick for oh, no. years. Um, but, no, uh, that doesn't happen anymore. But, um, 
I never, I actually, I've hilariously never ate a lot of ice cream, even before I got the job there. Like, I don't know why I applied for a job there, but I didn't eat a lot of ice cream. <laughs> what movie are you the most excited for? I mean, I'm really excited about Malignant. Um, no one else is, but I am. I'm really excited. Um, it's it's a new James Wan thing, and I really like James Wan. Um, and it's uh, it's an original horror property as opposed to like another Conjuring spinoff or something. So yeah, um, I'm really excited about that, which is supposed to be out in September. Just just don't ruin everything by like September 10th. The world. Oh uh, God, right? I'm so close. <laughs> To, uh, to Max Boots, uh, we need to do something. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was coming out. Yeah, IFC. Whenever yeah, <laughs> it's I, coming out. I, uh, within the next month, I think. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. I'm looking forward to yeah. that. Uh, my, my, like, because the supply chain for it got so disrupted and everything's release dates just got thrown into chaos. Yes. Whatever part of my brain remembered when movies were coming out just shut down. Mm. And so it's like, what's coming out soon? I have no idea. Like I know, like I know what like old movies are getting re-released, but like, what new stuff? When is it coming out? I have no clue. Things things keep like showing up in theaters, and I'm like, oh hey, that's out, huh? This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.